So please do keep Luke 15 open as we come to look at that this morning and let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the teachings of Christ written in the Bible for us. And we thank you that he often spoke through these stories which have so much meaning in them. Father, as we come to this story this morning of this parable of the lost sheep, one that many of us are familiar with, help us not to switch off or overlook what you're saying to us through it, but instead give us ears to hear you today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Who is that one person in your life who really, really, really annoys you? Do you know that person? And like just the sight of them, you're a wee bit annoyed by seeing them. And then you hear them speak, and it doesn't matter what they say, you roll your eyes, oh, here they go. Maybe it's a celebrity on TV. Maybe it's a pop star. Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's a colleague. Maybe it's a, a person from your school. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a university classmate. Maybe it's someone from this church family. Who is that person for you? Well, for the religious leaders of the day, that person was Jesus. In their eyes, he was someone who could simply do nothing or say anything right. Jesus, he didn't observe the Sabbath as they thought he should. Disgraceful. Jesus didn't make his disciples wash their hands in the way that the religious leaders did. How terrible of Jesus. Jesus didn't fast whenever they thought they should fast. He ate with people. What a glutton they said about him. And then there were the things that he did. He touched a leper. How unclean. He spoke with women publicly and openly. How disgraceful. But most of all, Jesus challenged their authority. He had the audacity to question them. He had the audacity to test if they'd really got things right. How dare Jesus do this? In the eyes of the religious leaders, Jesus was that one person that they rolled their eyes at, that one person who could never say or do anything right. And here in Luke 15, Jesus is at it again. Look what he's doing in verse 1. We're told there, that tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. So you've got Jesus, and he's in a public place, and tax collectors and sinners are flocking to him. That's amazing, isn't it? We live in a world where it seems that nobody really wants to hear about Jesus, but yet here, whenever Jesus walked the earth, the tax collectors and the sinners, they flocked to him. Now, tax collectors, they were about as popular as traffic wardens. You see, they took the tax from people, and then they took a little bit extra and pocketed it for themselves. They were thieves, pretty much, and people didn't like them. They also were working for the Romans, who were like the invading force. Nobody liked the tax collectors, and yet Jesus, well, he seemed quite happy to have them around him. And then there were the sinners. If you have a look at the word sinners in the text, you'll see it's in inverted commas. Whenever we hear that word sinners, it sounds kind of harsh. It sounds kind of bad. But the word sinner is simply a term that describes all people who don't follow God and live his way. 
So you might have had people who were complete moral rebels, living rebellious lives, doing awful things. They might have been gathering around Jesus. Likewise, you might have had people who were very good, upstanding citizens, but they didn't worship God. They might have been around Jesus. And then you might have had people in between that kind of were interested in God, but they weren't living for him. You might have had people who were Jewish by background, who'd been brought up following God and walked away. You might have had Gentiles who really knew nothing about God. But regardless, the sinners and the tax collectors were gathering around Jesus to hear him. That's amazing, isn't it? Something about Jesus' character, something about his words that sinners felt comfortable to come and listen to him. Anyway, this caused the religious leaders a great deal of trouble. Have a look at verse 2. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The religious leaders, they mutter when they see what Jesus is doing. That word mutter, it can be translated as complain. They complain to each other. Look what he's doing now. Welcoming sinners, welcoming tax collectors. It can mean grumble. They were grumbling about this. Isn't this disgraceful? Isn't this awful? What's he doing? You see, the religious leaders, they want to shun sinners. They want to say to sinful people, you're not welcome here. You're not good enough. You're not religious enough. You don't meet our standards. You will make us unclean, so you stay away. Whenever the religious leaders of the day looked at sinners, it was like they shut a door in their face. Don't come near us. We don't want to be polluted by you. The people who the Pharisees worked so hard to avoid and condemn and shun, Jesus welcomes and teaches and spends time with. And the religious leaders are infuriated. And so what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus does like he often does, and he challenges them. He confronts them. He stands up against them. He challenges their thinking. He challenges their authority. He challenges their state of mind. If you have a look at verse 3, do you see who this parable is aimed at? Do you see who Jesus is speaking to when he tells this story of the lost sheep? Have a look at the text. Then Jesus told them this parable. This parable is spoken to the judgmental religious people. The people who want to shun sinners and keep them away. The people who have no time for sinners. The people who want to avoid sinners. The religious people who are so angry with Jesus, Jesus then addresses by telling them this story. And um, When I first learned about preaching parables, um, we were taught that a parable usually only has one point. And I really like that idea because it means that preaching parables would be nice and simple. You know, just one thing to say and say it. But I think that this parable has at least four things in it. At least four things that Jesus is doing in this parable in relation to the Pharisees. I think he's revealing to them how God views sinners. 
He's revealing to them how God actually sees sinful people, one way that God sees them. A second thing, I think he's revealing the value of sinners to God. The third thing, I think he's saying this parable to show them how much God delights when sinners repent. And the fourth reason, I think, is to challenge the Pharisees' treatment of sinners. If you missed those four, don't worry, because we're about to jump into each of them individually. So let's have a look at these first things. The first thing then that Jesus is trying to do is to show the Pharisees the how God views sinners. Let's look at the parable again. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Now, if you have a look at the very last two words, Jesus refers to sinners as lost sheep. That's how God views sinners. Now, I'm using that word sinners. We're all sinners, okay? Some of us are forgiven sinners, but whenever God looks at people who are sinners and haven't received forgiveness, who haven't come to him, people who are far from him, people who may be rebelling against him in really crazy ways, God views them as lost sheep. That's how God sees them. He looks at these people and he views them as lost sheep. Now, none of us are sheep farmers here, as far as I know. But what we have to see this morning is that lost sheep are are valuable to the shepherd. They're important to the shepherd. The shepherd cares for all the sheep, and he he also cares for his lost sheep. God is one who cares for sinners. For people who are far from God, he, he still cares for them. He loves them. He's interested in them. Those people we know who seem so far from God and even seem like they're against God. God cares for them. These lost sheep, they're, they're also missing something, aren't they? They're missing relationship with God. They're missing life with Him. That's what the sheep is. The sheep who's lost, it's away from the shepherd. And it's away from the flock and it's a very sad state for the little sheep. I don't know if any of you have ever lost a dog. Anyone ever lost a dog here? Anyone? No? Yes, good, okay, someone's lost a dog, good. Well, sometimes the dogs get lost, but I love dogs. Whenever they run away, almost often they run back. Um, our dog, Sheepy, we were down in Bangor. Emma's mum and dad live uh, near the beach, and we would actually hadn't realized that we'd left the dog outside. And th- about 20 minutes, kind of we'd been sitting there for about 20 minutes, and we heard scratching on the front door, and there was the dog covered in sand. So the dog had got lost, it had run away, and it had a great time at the beach, and it had come back. Very often lost dogs have this amazing way of finding their way home. But not sheep. Do you know what a sheep does when it gets lost? Do you know what a sheep does? It lies down, and it gives up, and it bleats. That's all that a sheep does when it gets lost. A sheep has no ability to come back to the flock. A sheep has no strength or ability by itself to come back to the shepherd. It just lies down and it bleats its little heart out. 
And here in this passage, this is how God sees sinners. As lost sheep, people who can't make it to God by themselves, people who are missing out on knowing the shepherd, people who are missing out on being part of the flock. Do you see how God sees them? Do you see how much value God places upon them? I wonder, is that how we see them? That's a challenging thought, isn't it? Anyway, the next thing we see is just how valuable the the sheep is to the shepherd. Because if you have a look what happens next, the, the shepherd leaves the 99 sheep behind and he goes after the one. There's just one sheep missing, but the shepherd doesn't say, do you know what, I'm happy with 99. No, the shepherd leaves the 99, presumably in the care of someone, okay? He doesn't just let them wander. And he goes and he searches for the one sheep because the sheep is valuable. Um, I have a friend, and he started to breed sheep recently. And uh, he's, he's, he's borderline obsessed. He really is borderline obsessed. But he's breeding a, a, a type of sheep called a black valley, a black nose valley sheep. Do you know how much a black nose valley sheep costs? 3,000 pounds. It's no wonder he's breeding them, is it? But it's amazing, sheep are valuable. Sheep are precious to the shepherd. If you're into sheep and you have sheep, every single one is valuable to you. And here we see that the lost sheep is valuable to the shepherd, just as if every individual lost sinner is valuable to God. Every lost person is valuable to God. Every sinner is valuable and precious to God. That reading from Ezekiel 34, God condemns the religious leaders of the day. And did you listen and did you hear why he condemned them? He said, I condemn you because the sheep were lost and you never went after them. The sheep were wandering and you never went to find them. My people were wandering from me And they're so valuable to me and so precious to me and you didn't even bother to go looking for them to bring them back. Throughout the whole Bible, we see that God values all people, that he cares for them. But I think that the most amazing part of that passage in Ezekiel is verse 11, for it says this, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look for them. You've done a terrible job you religious leaders, but I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to come and I'm going to search for my sheep and I'm going to find them. See, this is what Jesus is doing when he's eating with sinners and tax collectors. He's the God who's come down to rescue sinful people. Jesus is the one who's come down to earth to find the lost sheep and bring them back into the fold, to find the lost sheep and bring them back to the shepherd. The sheep are so valuable that that is why Christ came, to bring lost sheep home. Do you know what's amazing about Jesus? What's amazing is that Jesus died so that everyone who puts their trust in him can be forgiven and brought home. Earlier in the service, I read what John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of who? The sin of the world. 
the lost sheep, the sinners of this world are so valuable that Christ came to die for them. He gave his life for them that they could be forgiven if they will repent and turn and come to him for forgiveness. Friends, do we see sinners as valuable? Do we see them as people for whom Christ died to make it possible for them to be forgiven? Do we see them as valuable or are we like the Pharisees? That's a challenging question, isn't it? Anyway, then the next thing that Jesus wants to show is just how delighted God is whenever sinners repent. Whenever people turn from God to him, when they stop wandering away from God and come back to him, Jesus wants the Pharisees to get just how thrilled and delighted and excited the Lord is by this. If you have a look at the the story again, it's all going pretty normal, okay? So Jesus has said, and listen, guys, if you lost a sheep and you had 99, would you leave the one and go for it? And all the Pharisees are there going, yep, we do that, Jesus. But then the next part of the story is absolutely ridiculous. It's way over the top. It's just not realistic at all. Look what Jesus says in verse 5. And when he finds it, so when the shepherd finds his sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Now this is ridiculous. On Tuesday, we had a big party for a wedding. That's something you celebrate, isn't it? You celebrate weddings. You celebrate birthdays. You celebrate baptisms, maybe. You celebrate anniversaries. And on those occasions, those amazing occasions, you bring people together and you have a party and you celebrate and you spend a wee bit of money on those things. But finding a lost sheep, I don't know any farmer who has a party when he finds a lost sheep. I don't know any family who even when their dogs find to have a party, they're just kind of thinking, I'm glad you're back. You silly dogs shouldn't have run away. But do you know what I mean? There's no party. It's ridiculous. But in Jesus' story, there is this incredible, wonderful party. And then Jesus says something that must have blown the Pharisees' heads off. Something that must have been just mind-boggling to them. And I reckon if we grasp it, it might just be mind-boggling to us. Because Jesus, in verse 7, moves from the story that's fictional to the reality of what happens whenever a sinner repents. Look at verse 7. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. See what Jesus says there? Listen, you Pharisees, you're grumbling and you're complaining and you're moaning that I'm spending time with these sinners. Well, listen up, Pharisees. You see, whenever one of these sinners comes to faith, you see, whenever one of these sinners repents, you see, whenever one of these sinners comes to God, do you know what happens? There's a celebration in heaven. You all look so miserable and grumpy at what I'm doing. Well, let me tell you, whenever one of these sinners repents, heaven rejoices. There are smiles. There are celebrations. There's a party. Isn't that amazing? 
Do you see how God loves it when a lost sheep is found? Do you see how much God loves it when someone who's lost comes back to him? When someone comes to him for the first time and and knows him for the first time as their shepherd, he's delighted, he's thrilled. There's a celebration in the heavenly places. As you sit here this morning, do you recognize that? That when you put your trust in Christ, there was a celebration in heaven? Isn't that amazing? Heaven is partied over you. Isn't that incredible? And maybe you're here this morning and, and you're not yet there. Maybe you're still wandering. Maybe you're still far off. Well, let me tell you, if whenever you put your trust in Christ and receive forgiveness and come to know the Father as your shepherd, there will be a party for you in the heavenly places. It's amazing. But the last thing I think Jesus is doing here is I think he's challenging the Pharisees on how they treat sinful people. Like I said earlier, it's like the Pharisees with their attitude shut a door in their face. Not welcome, not wanted, stay away. Maybe when you get your life in order, you might be able to come near us, but until you've got yourself sorted out, stay away. But Jesus, he he challenges them by how he lives. Because Jesus never says stay away. Jesus says, come on in. Come sit beside me. Come eat with me. Yeah, you with all of your sin, you with all of your baggage, you with all of your flaws, you with all of your mistakes, you who've made a mess of your life, you who are not sure if you even believe in God, you who are far from God. Listen, whoever you are, Jesus says, come, come ahead. Come have a seat at the table. Come and eat with me. Come and hear from me. Come and I'll teach you. Jesus never gets involved in sin. He never sinned. Jesus never condoned or or clapped the sin of other people. He never did that. In fact, Jesus called sinners to repent. He called them to come to God. But he could only do that because they were able to come to him and listen. Because he had that welcoming heart. Because he had those welcoming hands. Because he said, come and take a seat and sit with me. I hope you've realized, but one of our taglines as a church, you might not like it, but we've had it for four years, is that everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. Every Facebook post you see, everyone is welcome. Every every flyer you get, everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. And why is that? It's because that's what Jesus modeled. Welcoming everyone in. And then sharing the gospel with them. Welcoming everyone to come and hear. Everyone to come and learn. Everyone to come and sit near him. And be challenged by him. Folks, we live in a community of lost sheep. On Tuesday night, uh, a group of us went and we, we walked, uh, did a prayer walk. We walked around the streets here. And it became really clear that we live in a community of lost sheep. 
people who are far from God, people who greatly need him, people very often without hope, people very often without peace, people without direction. We live in a community full of lost sheep. And we're to be like the shepherd. We're to go and to welcome them in. We're to go and to let them know that there's a way to the Father. Can I encourage you please to pray for Hello Neighbor? Pray for it. Pray that through it that someone walks through these doors who's far from God and hears about Christ for the first time. Pray that it's the beginning of relationships with people who will eventually become to know the Father themselves. Please pray for Hello Neighbor. Wouldn't it be great if, as a result of it, maybe just one sheep got found? Wouldn't it be worth it if even just one person, whenever that is, further down the line in years to come, because of it, wouldn't it be worth it if that because of Hello Neighbor there was a party in heaven? Wouldn't it be worth it? So please pray for it, and please get involved in it. Wouldn't it be great if many people in our community could say this, like we have said, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's pray that many lost sheep will one day be able to say this. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, I pray that you would open our eyes, that we would see that around us are so many people who are lost sheep, They're following a path that leads to destruction. They're following paths that bring them no happiness. They're following ways that lead them into trouble. They're far from you, the one who deep down they long for. They're far from you, the only one who can truly give them peace and joy and hope. They're far from you, the only one who can forgive their sins and lift the burden of guilt and shame they feel. Oh Lord, open our eyes that we would see that we are surrounded by people who are lost sheep. And Lord, help us to be like Jesus. Help us to be those people who throw our doors and arms open wide and welcome everyone in that they may come and feel loved by us, that they may come and feel cared for by us, that they may come here and feel welcomed by us. And whilst feeling this welcome, also hear the challenging words of Christ as they are preached. Oh Lord, we pray for those who are lost, that they would be found. Those who are far, that they would be drawn near. We pray that you would use us to bring lost sheep to the Heavenly Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.